Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. Not a lengthy reading tonight. That's the reason why I had you stand for a little while, because I knew that it was just going to be a short text, okay? You all would hate me uh, if I said, all right, let's open our Bibles to the 119th Psalm, start in verse number one, and we'll just end when we, okay. All right. 50th Psalm, verse number two. The 50th Psalm, verse number two. I love this verse of Scripture. I love it all, but this one is something that is so powerful to me, and I hope that God will help me tonight to minister what's on my heart to this wonderful assembly. The 50th Psalm and verse number two. If you're there, say amen. Amen. Out of Zion. Everyone say out of Zion. The perfection of beauty God hath shined. Mm. That's what I want to talk to us about tonight. Out of Zion. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. Lord, your word, it's truth and it is power. It is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Lord, I pray, God, that your word would illuminate our way once again tonight. Lord, I pray your many blessings upon your holy people. Lord, we give you thanks and we give you praise for all of these things. And everyone said in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You can be seated tonight. Amen. One more time, let's give Jesus a hand clap of praise in the house. He's worthy, isn't he? Praise God. Zion, Zion in Hebrew, it is the name, the ancient name of the city of Jerusalem. So when we hear the name Zion or Zion, uh, we're talking about the holy city of Jerusalem. It's an interesting thing in a lot of, as pastor said, my travels, and I'm certain that you could ask people like, your illustrious bishop as well, about some of the beautiful landmarks that exist around the world. I have been to some beautiful cities, and I I dare not get started enlisting those beautiful cities and beautiful places and just serene locations that I've been fortunate to see and to experience around the world. If we were to compare and contrast those different places to the holy city of Jerusalem, we could say, surely, are there bigger cities in the world than Zion, than Jerusalem? Yes, there are bigger cities. Are there more serene places in the world to look at? I would say that, yes, we could probably say that as well. 
Are there places that have rich history that could be compared? Yes, I suppose we could say that also. Are there places with beautiful walls like Jerusalem? Yes, we could definitely compare and contrast the holy city of Jerusalem to many different locations around the world. But the scripture is perfect. The scripture, God is not a man that he should lie. The scripture is true. And so when the Bible declares to us tonight, church family, out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, we need to understand what the scripture is referring to. Perfect beauty is not the biggest city. Perfect beauty is not the the place that gets the most tourists around the world. Perfect beauty cannot be compared to anything according to this world's standards. Perfect beauty can only be measured in significance according to the Word of God. And I would dare say tonight that the most significant city in this world is the city of Jerusalem. And the reasoning for this is that that is where the church of the Lord Jesus Christ was born. It was from that location that God decided that the church was going to be born and from that place it was going to spread to the uttermost parts of the earth. This is the reason why Jesus said, you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. When Jesus said to the uttermost parts of the earth, I think he was talking about Medora, Indiana. I think he was talking about Owensville, Indiana. Come on, somebody. We're in as remote location as Medora is, where I'm from. I believe that this gospel is to be preached in all the world, and only only then will the end come. I want to encourage somebody tonight. If we're going to get a hold of the truth of the Word of God, as we've gotten a hold of it, we can't sit on it. We've got to take it out from Zion, out from from Jerusalem, out from MPC, out from our comfort zone. This is what God has called us to do. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty. You see, what was birthed in Zion was created to spread out of Zion. What was birthed in that holy city could not be contained within the walls of that holy city. I have lost count of how many times I've been to Israel. For many years, I've guided tours in Israel three, four times a year. I travel there. I was there for six weeks uh, this year and was supposed to be there whenever the war started, uh, actually, and uh, came in and threw a wrench in our plans. We had a large group of around 62 people from the ALJC that were going, and uh, all of our executive board was going to be there, and uh, we had to cancel that trip because of the war. I want to just kind of digress for a moment and encourage everyone, keep praying for Israel. Keep praying for Jerusalem. Don't listen to what you hear in the media. Don't listen to the things that you're hearing in the media. If God wills and you want to know the truth of what's going on in Zion, maybe God will open up a door for me to take you sometime. Come on, somebody. I'm hearing an MPC trip to Israel in the future. Come on. Yeah, that's right. I heard it right. Come on, somebody. Come on, Daniel. 
Come on. Amen. Daniel's been there with me. He, he, can, he can testify. The things that are going on are being spit all over social media and all over the news media. It's all lies from the pits of hell. As Golda Meir said very clearly, while she was the prime minister of Israel back in the day, she said the world loves us whenever we are the victims but hates us whenever we hit back. I'm a believer that no country should have to sit there like a stoic Greek philosopher and put up with rockets raining upon them every day. That's what I believe. Now, usually my sermons are apolitical, but bless God, this is the Bible today. You see, Medora Pentecostal Church is connected to Zion by an umbilical cord. It is giving us life what happened right there. What you and I have, we don't stand upon our own foundation. We stand upon that foundation of the apostles and the prophets that was firmly established in the holy city of Jerusalem. I have seen many things in Israel over the years and things that give me hope and things that make me scratch my head and some things that... uh, Make me wonder what people are thinking. While I was in Israel earlier this year, there was a sense of tensions rising even earlier when I was there in the spring. While I was there, I uh, was leading a group from Potts Camp, Brother Jonathan Vasquez's church, and then another group uh, from uh, Germantown, Tennessee, Brother Steve Smith's church uh, had another group. And I was there leading them through the Holy Land. And uh, during Brother Vasquez's group, uh, there were rockets that were falling upon Israel. And they didn't even know it. I'm going to, this is confession time. They didn't know it because I didn't tell them. Um, And the reason is because many times, I have an app on my phone. Anytime Hamas or Hezbollah fire a rocket at Israel... I get a notification on my phone. And so it happens all the time. It's not uncommon for this to happen. And so I just saw that rockets are raining down. Okay, ho-hung. That's nothing new. It happens nearly every day. We only hear about it in the media over here whenever Israel responds. But I'm telling you, I'm there a lot. It happens nearly every day. Rockets are falling upon Israel. And not until Israel decides to do something about it do, does the world hear anything about it. So we were in Jerusalem. Jerusalem's quiet. There's sirens going off in Tel Aviv and all throughout southern Israel. And life just goes on as normal. Nothing changes. So I'm like, okay, I could tell them that Hamas is raining down terror in the south of Israel and ruin their trip. Or they can just eat their falafel every day, loving God, and just enjoy their trip and not have a clue what's going on. I chose the latter. And that's the way I do it, Brother LeBan. Every time, that's the way that I roll. But then we got to Tel Aviv. And my phone started buzzing a bit more frequently. And we were in South Tel Aviv, Tel Aviv Jaffa, or Jaffa, Jaffa, what does it say in the Jaffa in the English Bible? Uh, Joppa. We were in the southern part of Tel Aviv. And I said, uh-oh, that rocket was landed 30 miles south of us. 
okay. Then I kept watching. I was like, uh-oh, that one was 18 miles away from us. So I was in my hotel doing some Hebrew Academy work, and I called Brother Vasquez, and I said, Brother V, where you at? He said, I'm in the hotel. He said, I was just doing some work here, and our group was out, and that, those days we go out, I let them turn them loose on the Mediterranean, and there's all kinds of cafes, and we're an hourly schedule. That, those last few days, I just loose them and let them go. I said, Brother V, there's going to be sirens going off, and the people are going to be scared to death. And he said, what's going on? I said, a rocket barrage. He said, when did it start? I said, several days ago. Uh, uh, I said, but we, we just now got to where it's important. I was hoping maybe it would slow down. And uh, he said, oh, I've got to go get my daughter. I've got to go get my daughter. I said, everything's okay. Iron Dome plus Israel. he that keepeth Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. And we believe that scripture in the Bible. But Iron Dome is powerful and these rockets are firing. Well, about that time, as soon as I told him that, the sirens went off. And I said, come on now. I'm a prophet and didn't know it. Sirens going off. I went out on my balcony. And this, this legitimately happened. I went out on my balcony and saw the rocket. It was coming down to our hotel. An iron dome. It was not one. Apologize. It was two. Iron dome. Took them out. And I got pictures of it on my phone. I'd be happy to show it to you after service. The Iron Dome is a powerful thing. People started running back, come back to the hotel. What in the world's going on? And I'm like, it's all right. We're just, we're under attack. That's all. And I was sitting down in the outside in the courtyard opening up a Werther's candy. And one of the sisters that was with us, she said, you can tell Lang has seen some things in his day. <laughs> said, we're all calling our family, you know, making sure that everybody knows that, uh, that we're okay. And some of them were praying the 23rd Psalm and everything. It was, it was scary for me, and I understand that. But I was over there eating a piece of candy, and uh, the guy from behind the reception counter of the hotel, he came out, he said, if you wonder what to do, look, look at Jeremy. He knows. Sometimes the shrapnel comes. It's like rain. It's okay. So this is a situation. This is what's going on in Israel. But it's going on all the time. Why is it that this place, sometimes we're ethnocentric in America. We think that the USA is at the center of everything in God's will. But it has always been Zion. We're here because we are a product of what happened in Zion. We exist as a body, as a collective family of one God apostolic Jesus name people because of what was born in Zion. The reason why that that city is having turmoil all the time because it is from that city that hell was delivered its fatal blow. That the devil understood, I don't even have the keys to my own house anymore. 
the keys to death, hell, and to the grave. I don't even possess them anymore because of what happened in that city. And it's because of what was born in the upper room on the day of Pentecost that became the catapult that fired out the full gospel message of Jesus Christ right here in Indiana where we sit tonight. So whenever I talk about out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, I'm not just talking about something that's nice or something that's pretty or something that's okay. I'm talking about perfect beauty. Church family, never take for granted the knowledge and understanding that you have, that there is one God and that his name is one. Don't ever take for granted this understanding and this revelation that you and I have of repentance, baptism in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and the gift of the Holy Ghost that we heard testified about tonight. I don't know about you, but I'm still thankful that I can say I'm one of them. I'm one of them and you're one of them. This is what we have. It's what came out of Zion. One of my early trips to Israel, I was very surprised about one point that I had never read before. I had never seen before. I had never heard before. And uh, Brother Daniel can certainly tell you that this is one of those things that uh, I, I love. You know, I, I don't always take new pictures whenever I go to Israel. I take pictures of my groups, but I've seen all the things so many times I don't usually take pictures of it unless there's rockets being intercepted. Then I get those pictures. That's pretty cool. But one of the things that I always get super pumped up about in Israel, one of my favorite things taking God's people to Israel is I like to watch their faces when they see these holy places. That's one of the most beautiful things that I'm so blessed to get to experience. And one of those beautiful experiences is taking people into the upper room. I told Bishop Carpenter several years ago, I said, Memphis is not our headquarters. Memphis, at best, is a sub-headquarters. Our HQ is that upper room in Jerusalem. That's our true headquarters. So even though it's right there in the middle of Jerusalem, when I walk in there, I walk in like I own the place. One of these days, I'm going to take a sleeping bag and a pillow in there, and I'm just going to lay down and be like, you all just have to work around me in here. The first times I was in Israel alone, I went into the upper room. And this is, a, this is maybe a, a window into the way the mind of Jeremy Lang works. Scary. She knows. You're not supposed to beat me to the punch, though, babe. We're going to have to work on that. So we've been married 18 years, and I'm so thankful that little lady's gone all over the world with me. You wouldn't believe the places she slept all around the world. I mean, and never complained. Had lizards and rats fall on her back and huts and stuff we played. Anybody want to go? Anybody, anybody interested? Where's the Hershey's at? Are they? Ah, oh, they're okay. All right. We're going to have a chat before Brother Gray gets here. 
It's an interesting thing to me. After I walked out of the upper room, the first time that I went in there and prayed, and you got to understand the way my heart connected with that room whenever I was in there because this boy's a product of what came out of Zion. But I said, you know what? The scripture says upper room, and I, and I just was never satisfied. I teach my students all the time. Every word in the Bible is incredibly important. There's no extra words in the scripture. And if you're one of my Hebrew students, you're going to learn that there are no extra letters in the Bible either. And so I thought it says upper room for a reason. It could say just a house in Jerusalem, just a place, a room in Zion. But it says upper room. That means there's something downstairs. Well, I'm excited to go downstairs because I want to know what is downstairs because that's that's HQ too. I'm not just taking the upper room. I want that downstairs room too. And so I go down there and I see written in Hebrew above the doorway. It says, Melech Davud, which means King David. And I thought, oh my, wait a minute. I walked inside. It's a small synagogue in a little drab room. Not a lot of pomp and glitter. It's drab, isn't it, Daniel? It's just drab. The walls, nothing's decorated beautifully. But this synagogue is in the place right below the upper room. And guess who's there? King David's tomb. Is in the downstairs below the upper room. It's not beautiful down there. There's nothing that's lovely about it. It's not shiny down there. Again, it's drab. It's kind of cold down there. It's just, it's not real beautiful at all. But then the illustrious, powerful, shepherd, songwriting king, his remains are there in that room, which by the way, the area of the old city of Jerusalem has sections to it. That particular section today of the old city of Jerusalem is called Mount Zion. So you have the Temple Mount, which is on one side, and then the mountain just next to it, all inside the walls. The temple next to or the, the, the mount next to it is Mount Zion. And so I find it quite interesting. In that place, there's King David, his tomb, and suddenly my mind was absolutely overcome with understanding about the importance of Zion, because we find David's tomb makes an appearance in Acts chapter number 2. The scripture is very, very clear. I think I gave them all of these. Acts 2.26 declares, Therefore, now remember, this is from the words of King David that were preached by the apostle Peter. Therefore did my heart rejoice. And my tongue was glad. Moreover also my flesh shall rest in hope. 
Now, this is the thing. Remember when I went down the list, the, the shepherd, songwriting, king? I mean, we've got all kinds of things that we could say about David. But we oftentimes forget that in Jewish custom, he's also considered a prophet. And the Bible substantiates that claim as well in the book of Acts. And I find it very interesting because we find nearly as many Messianic prophecies in the Psalms as we do in the writings of Isaiah. All written by King David. We sometimes forget that he was a prophet. So here he is saying, my heart, did my heart rejoice? My tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh shall rest in hope. What's he talking about? He's not talking about kicking back on the lazy boy. Not talking about resting his flesh that way. He's talking about after he dies. My flesh, my remains will be there resting in hope. Well, wait a minute. Hope for what? Hope for what? The Bible declares in Acts 2 and 29, Men and brethren, let me speak freely unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Oh, Come on, Bruce Shepherd, where you at now? Come on, somebody. Amen. The apostle Peter was very clear. He was preaching on the day of Pentecost. He said, David's dead, he's buried, and his sepulcher is with us to this day. I get this vision in my mind, Bishop, that he was pointing underneath his feet. Because there they were in the upper room and the tomb of David is right there below their feet. What's he doing? Doing exactly what he said he was going to do. My flesh is going to rest in hope. In hope of what? Well, in the very same hope that David wrote about whenever he said, Oh, that salvation would come out of Mount Zion. Out of Zion's hill, salvation cometh. This was the very things that David wrote about. And he said, My flesh is going to rest in hope of that day. That salvation is going to come to Mount Zion. And here it was on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Ghost was poured out and Peter preached to them repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost hallelujah he said my flesh is going to rest in hope he said I'm not going to see this but my flesh is going to rest in hope maybe it's going to be some it's going to happen somewhere I'm buried possibly and so that's what the Jews did they said, well, he kept talking about salvation coming to Mount Zion, so let's do, let's do David a solid. Let's bury him at Mount Zion. And little did they know that in just one story above David, 
Salvation was going to come to Zion just as he prophesied that it would. This is the reason why that we believe that the full plan of salvation is encapsulated in the book of Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. This is the reason why you can take it to the bank, dear brother and dear sister, that if you want to be saved, you've got to obey what was written in Acts 2 and 38 because this was when salvation came to Zion but I'm so thankful tonight that it didn't stay in Zion because perfect beauty means it's got to come out of Zion oh hallelujah <laughs> oh Psalm 14 and 7 oh that the salvation of Israel were come out of Zion when the Lord bringeth back the captivity of his people, Jacob shall rejoice, and Israel shall be glad. I think it's an interesting thing that here David is resting. See, he's still there. Now, I've gotten in that upper room and spoken tongues like crazy. We got in there one time with Bishop Saint. And uh, Bishop Saint walked in there, got his Bible out. I thought, oh, here we go. It was busy in the upper room that day. And it's an amazing thing. Here we are at Mount Zion. And there are tourists coming in with their guides. And they're interested in what the walls are made out of and what the floor is made out of and how long that's been here and how long that's been here and have no spiritual connection to the place where they're standing. So there we were, a bunch of crazy apostolics returning to headquarters. And Bishop Saint was under the anointing. And you got to look out when that happens. He got his Bible open. And he's opened up to Acts chapter 2. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come. You know how Bishop Saint is. Come on, somebody, you know. And these tourists started peeling out of their groups. Coming over and wanted to stand with our group. People that I'm not even sure they knew what it was he was saying. But when we started to pray, the anointing began to fall. And you could see people from every shade, every color of the world that were in there with their tour guides coming over into our group. A few of them even started to lift their hands and tears were flooding down their face. Why? Because perfect beauty is what has come out of Zion. And there is something that is in the soul of man that thirsts after the truth. The truth of the message that was once delivered unto the saints. I am so grateful for all of the experiences that I've had in that place. But I can tell you one thing. This last trip was very special. And I've been there in the spring many times before. But I was there during Pentecost. The Feast of Pentecost was going on. And I went down around 
the upper room. Why? Because it's Pentecost, baby. That's where I'm going to go. Come on, somebody. If you'd have been with me, we'd have walked on down there too. And they were decorating because in Jewish custom, the day begins when the sun goes down. It's a literal interpretation of when a day begins from the creation narrative and the evening and the morning were the first day. So because of that, the day begins. We're not so different. Our day doesn't begin when the sun rises. It begins at midnight. So we're not too different from that already. When the sun goes down, that's when the day begins. So it was nearly sundown. They're decorating. They've got lights up. And it's Pentecost. Well, guess what? Guess who they're celebrating as well? Not just Pentecost, which celebrates two things. Number one, God's gift of the Ten Commandments to Moses and all the children of Israel at Har Sinai. And then the other thing was the spring harvest. Pentecost, that's what Pentecost is. It's Shavuos in Hebrew. It celebrates two things, the gift of God's word and harvest. Pentecost that celebrates anything besides that is phony. For the church, Pentecost is still those two things, the word and harvest. I'm talking about souls. That's the only thing Pentecost is about. And the interesting thing about Pentecost, and listen, you, I'm telling you, the greatest novel writers, storytellers in the world could not have written a story this beautiful as God did. In Jewish tradition, death anniversaries are celebrated more than birthdays. Now, we think about that as Americans, and we think, oh, my goodness, so that's not, that sounds kind of macabre, doesn't it? No, not at all. Again, it's a literal interpretation of the scripture. Better is the day of one's death than the day of their birth. So the Jews say, well, the scripture says that, so we have no problem celebrating your birthday, but the death anniversary we're going to celebrate. Why? We're going to celebrate the life that we had with our loved one, with our friend. Well, this is one of the interesting things that I want God's people to know, that I want apostolics to know. The name of a death anniversary in Jewish custom is called a yartzeit, a yartzeit. And a yartzeit celebrates that individual's life. Well, David's yartzeit, you know when he died? When his death anniversary is celebrated? On the day of Pentecost. David died on the day of Pentecost. Now, as apostolics, sometimes we don't know these things. They're written in books that aren't even written in English most of the time. So oftentimes, we, 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 that understanding, just we, we, we can't absorb that. We don't have the technology maybe to do that. I do know of a Hebrew school you can join, and uh, the teacher... <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm in real good with the teacher. He'd be happy to teach you uh, to do that. But David died on Pentecost. Now, when you think about that, here 
the apple of God's eye, have descended upon the holy city of Jerusalem to celebrate God's word, the harvest, but also in the back of everyone's mind is it's Pentecost, but it's also our illustrious King David's yard site. It's his death anniversary. So in the front of everybody's mind is the fact that we've also got to thank God for our wonderful King David, who did, a lot of, who did a lot of fighting for us, who did all kinds of things for us. And we need to remember our great King David and all of the things that he gave to us. And yet that same David, think of how great God's love is. Not only did he write about salvation coming to Zion, but God let the church be born on the day that he died. Why did he do it? I think he did it to honor the great King David. So here we have, church family, a trail of breadcrumbs from the First Testament all the way to the New Testament telling you and I how to be saved, telling you and I where we need to go in the Word of God to find the full gospel plan of salvation. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for the love and the mercy of Jesus Christ who has given us His Word. Not a spirit of confusion. The spirit of confusion has descended upon man because of the traditions of Rome. But if you want to know truly how to be saved, you've got to get back to Jerusalem and search for that perfect beauty that comes only out of Jerusalem. When we begin to survey the people that we have seen love God, that loved him so much, they go on to glory. They step in to the presence of God. There's never a time that I preach someone's funeral that I don't think about their testimony. Did they love God? If they did, where did they come from? Daniel was just a baby. Rachel was just a little girl. My wife was a little... Bus kid brought to church in a pair of shorts and cowboy boots. Whenever I came into the house of God for the first time, with long hair, on dope, if I could light it, I'd smoke it. That's my testimony. No one in my family religious except the Jewish side of my family and I thought they were nuts. I had no idea about anything. Had no idea about faith. Had no idea about Jesus. But then he found me. And it was from that moment in my life, my pastor got right up in my face and said, Jeremy, if God has called you to preach... You don't go and sit on this calling. You don't go looking for a camp meeting to preach or a conference to preach. You go for souls. And if you'll go for souls, the conference will find you. The camp meeting will find you. The people will find you. But let souls be 
your number one priority of everything that you do. And I took that as a personal command from my pastor. When I began to pray about missions, it didn't take long when God got specific with me about going to India, a place that's now the most populous country in the world, that would you believe they have more gods in India than we have people in the United States. They have over 330 million gods that are actively worshipped in India. Some people can rattle off the names of thousands of them by memory. That's where God called me to go and begin work as a missionary. Why? Because it's perfect beauty. Out of Zion is the perfection of beauty. Not just what happens in Zion. We can come in here and we can dance and shout and praise God on Pentecost week about, about what, what happened in Zion. But the truth is, the perfect beauty is when we mobilize with this message. So I went over there. I didn't know anybody. had no idea what was going on. I know everybody was looking at me thinking in their mind, what is that white man doing here? What he is doing. I know that's what people were thinking. Because everywhere I went, people stared. That's whenever I went by myself. I had a backpack, four shirts, three pairs of pants, and a pair of sandals. Then I met a Trinitarian pastor. And he said, why don't you come and preach in my church? I said, okay. I went there. Over 700 people were there. I didn't know anybody. You got to understand. I went over there. I, I was fearless. And um, clueless. <laughs> but I had a hunger out of Zion. This is perfect beauty. What I'm doing, this is perfect beauty. This is the perfection of beauty. I'm preaching what came out of Zion. I went in there and preached that first sermon. I had prayed, Bishop, you know. I had prayed. I had fasted. I was believing God. And in my mind, I thought, I'm going to go into this church. And I mean, I'm going to tear this place down. And I went in there and preached, and I don't even think God knew we were there. <laughs> I had never in my life preached a more terrible sermon. And when I got done with that, nobody came and prayed. Nobody got the Holy Ghost. I thought, well, this mission stuff isn't all it's cracked up to be. That's for sure. <laughs> Are you hearing me over there? Okay. <laughs> Listen carefully. Be fearless, but don't be clueless the way I was. It's my advice. So then I go to leave the church that morning, and in India, we take our shoes off, which I had a pair of sandals. I didn't even have a pair of shoes. I had a pair of sandals. Went out, go put my sandals back on. Somebody had already stole my sandals. My first sermon, and I was already down one pair of sandals. That was the humble beginning. You should have seen the places that I've stayed. Bishop knows. In fact, Bishop got on to me. He said, uh, Jeremy came over, saw our quarters at ATI. By that time, I had picked up a co-pilot. Mm -mm -mm. And Bishop 
eh, he might have let me stay there, but he wasn't going to let my young, pretty wife stay in this place. We'd already been there for a couple of years, and he said, you're going to build a house, son. That is not a demand. That is a command. <laughs> well, when Bishop Walls speaks, we listen. He came back to the States, and within a week or two, had already made a few phone calls, raised the money. We built a house, and that is still, actually, we're homeless in America. That's still, that's our only house that we've got, is the one that we have because of Bishop's command. I was, no, there was no shower. It was, it was just, yeah, exactly, yeah. The toilet was a hole in the floor. And, and that's a normal Indian standard toilet. And then we'd have guests come over. And this guy, he got terribly sick to his stomach. He got so weak, he said, I don't know how, I don't know how to use that Indian toilet. He said, so I just sat on it. <laughs> sat on the floor. And I said, okay, all right. Are you listening? Okay. <laughs> it was a humble beginnings. We got a rental place in South India because we shared our time between the tribals and then Southern India. We had a rental place. It was $50 a month. $50. It wasn't worth $50. That's where we were. We had water two, three days a week along with electricity, and it's hot. And um, to this day, and this was early on, my wife and I married. She was 19, but she turned 20 the next day. You got to keep those anniversaries and birthdays close together so that way you don't forget. Keep that in mind. Um, when you've got apostolic hair, you've only got running water a few days a week, so then you have to turn around and hoard the water whenever it's on in big barrels so that way you've got cooking water, bathroom water, shower water. That's how we rolled. Well, we'd run out of water, but the water was on. So my wife says, oh, I'm going to go wash my hair. We'd been out working. It was hot. She got that apostolic hair lathered up, and the water turned off right in the middle of it. I, I could hear her in there. I said, what's going on, babe? She's like, the water went off. She said, I can't believe this. And I'm like, don't worry about it. I went out, and I found a well. Gentlemen, I'm an obedient husband. I went out, found a well, got that water out of there. We had Indian pastors that they thought, oh, so this missionary's come over from overseas. He's got all kinds of money. So they would come to my house hoping that we would give them money. They would come into our house and see that our situation it was so pathetic. They gave us an offering before they left. <laughs> that was our situation. Now things have changed. God has blessed. We started a fantastic Bible college that nine out of ten of our graduates are missionaries in India, Myanmar, Bangladesh today. Ninety percent of our graduates are missionaries. In less than the last two years, around the last 18 months, we have added 67 new churches to the work of God in India. 
We can't shout about these things on social media. So if you've been following me on social media wondering where's all of these reports, it's because it's dangerous. We're not actually legally allowed to work there. So when we go there, we're taking pictures at the Taj Mahal or we're down here with our friends or we're over here and people are like, man, Lang's doing missions work. That looks fun. It's like a family vacation. No, no, no. We post those things so that way people who are trying to hunt us down because I am on a few hit lists. And when you get on those hit lists, you don't get off of them until you're hit. We've got to be careful in the missions field. And so anything that we do in India, we have to be very, very careful about what we do in India for security reasons. Not just my own. I've got a beautiful wife and five lovely children as well. So we got to be very careful. But I'm thankful to report to you that the work of God is going forth in India. It is growing by leaps and bounds. And God is blessing abundantly. Why do we go to these extents? Why is it? Several years ago, one of our conferences, myself and Paul Moorfield, who's a retired missionary to India, we started a conference there. And at that conference, we had a young Hindu man who came and attended. And he found Jesus at that conference. He was baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, and he was a truck driver. And he said, I want to be involved in ministry. I said, what do you want to do? He says, I want to go to the Bible school. You want to be a student? He said, no. I want to go and be the assistant cook. <laughs> Everybody's got their calling. I mean, my mother worked in culinary. So he went. And for three years, that young man was the assistant cook. He had no personal ambition at all. He could have said, I want to be the cook. But he said, no, my goal is to be the assistant cook at the Bible college. And that's what he did. For three years, was the assistant cook at our Bible school. After a little while, I said, let's get him in some classes. So he started to attend the classes. Then he enrolled. Then in three years, he graduated. In 2017, I ordained him. He went to his home state after he got ordained with his new ALJC ordination certificate, he went down to his home state and went in there and started preaching in the street and got stoned. He caught a stone to one of his eyes and took his eye completely out. When he got out of the hospital, the next day, he went and preached again. Why? Because perfect beauty to some people isn't even having both eyes. Perfect beauty is doing whatever we've got to do to let souls hear this message that too many times we take for granted. That young man has baptized since COVID. Now, over 100 Trinitarian pastors in Jesus' name. That young man. 
over 100 Trinitarian pastors. He messaged me just a few days ago. He said, we had 31 get the Holy Ghost this past Sunday. Pastor, praise God. I said, my goodness, brother. I, he's, he's shooting us reports so quick, I don't even know what to do with him. God is using that young man. But I want to encourage somebody here today. If God can use a Hindu truck driver that stumbles into one of our conferences, doesn't even want to sit down, stands in the back, just kind of looking around, judging, wondering what all these people are making this noise about, has no kind of ambition, no hunger at all whenever he comes into the door, but when he hears the music and when he heard the message, something got a hold of his heart, something that made him a servant, a servant that went and served as the assistant, the assistant cook at our Bible school, and then became a preacher, and then lost an eye, and today is turning his world upside down. How does this happen? It's having an understanding of what the Bible says. Perfect beauty is what has come out of Zion. So I want to encourage you today. It doesn't matter what your name is. It doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't matter what the bottom line of, of your bank statement says. Perfect beauty is what has come out of Zion. If you've got the Holy Ghost down in your soul, just like the Bible says if you've got the revelation that hero israel the lord our god is one lord you've got the goods go and do something for god don't keep it inside of you perfect beauty is when we let zion out it's when we let the message out stand to your feet with me oh my goodness i preached too long church family i believe in what i preach tonight it is this message that has the power to unlock eternity for the souls of humanity. It is this message of Acts 2.38. Now, my pastor was very strict with me as a new convert and as a young man trying to do something for God. I remember... Him telling me very plainly, Jeremy, be a soul winner. And he said, the reason, because you might be in danger of hell if you're not. Now that's abrasive to us. And the reason it's abrasive to us is because it convicts us if it's true. Some may say, well, wait a minute. Where's the Bible for that? If we're not a soul winner, we're in danger of hell. I've obeyed the gospel. That's great. My pastor said, if you're not a soul winner, it's probably because you're ashamed. And Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me, Scripture says he's going to be ashamed of us. He also substantiated it with another verse. The tree that does not bear fruit is hewn down and cast where? Into the fire. He said, we all know that we're the tree and we all know we're supposed to produce. But my question is, where is the fire? He said, Jeremy, I don't care how beautifully you speak in tongues. You're out of God's will if you're not producing in his kingdom. This is what has compelled me forward. This is what pushes me. 
let it push all of us tonight. Let it compel all of us to action tonight. Out of Zion, by the design of God Almighty, out of my heart to this world, out of this church to this world. I'm not surprised God's going to send missionaries out of MPC. I'm not surprised at all. It, this, this is right. This is correct. This is in order. But truly, all of us are missionaries, aren't we? All of us are to be emissaries for this gospel message. And all of us know someone that has not yet obeyed it. Who's called to reach that person? Ah, it's the man or woman in the mirror. He's called you to do it. Now pray that God would open the door for you to reach out. Because I'm telling you, prophetic events are unfolding. And it should compel us even more to action. So tonight, I'm calling soul winners. Tonight, I'm calling for someone who says, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the message that came out of Zion. Would you come to this altar tonight? I'm calling soul winners. I'm calling missionaries. I'm calling... Thank you for listening to the MPC Podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthened you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorchurch.com to learn more about our ministry.